This is Party on the Peninsulas, your weekly update on the people and policies leading Michigan, with Michigan Democratic Party Chair Lavora Barnes. Welcome to Party on the Peninsulas. I am Lavora Barnes, Chair of the Michigan Democratic Party. The word this week, contrast. This week's headlines provide stunning contrast between Democrats and the current Republican Party. The differences in the two parties spans multiple issues. In Florida, the right-wing legislature and governor virtually outlaw abortions with a draconian six-week limit before most women even know they are pregnant. In Michigan, the 1931 law criminalizing abortion has been repealed. Republican state attorneys general are behind the lawsuit, which would ban the use of the drug Mifepristone for safe pharmaceutical abortions, another step towards a nationwide ban on abortions. They shopped their lawsuit to an anti-abortion activist appointed by Trump to the federal bench. In Michigan, Attorney General Dana Nessel is actively fighting to protect women's reproductive health rights attacked by this horrible lawsuit. Florida's governor went behind closed doors with NRA officials and pro-gun lawmakers to eliminate virtually all restrictions on concealed carry of firearm. In Michigan, Governor Whitmer just signed two more gun safety laws, and the state house has approved a red flag law to get guns out of the hands of persons who have violent mental health or domestic abuse issues. Tennessee's Republican state house expelled two young African-American members for speaking out on gun safety. In Michigan, the Speaker of the House is a young African-American Democrat who is leading the political battle for gun safety. More than a dozen Republican-run states are passing laws denying civil rights to trans people, many of them even banning medical support for their trans citizens. In Michigan, we have a new law expanding civil rights protections to all, including LGBTQ plus Michiganders and a governor who has flown a gay pride flag outside her office. Across the nation, horrific climate events are killing dozens and causing untold billions of dollars in damages, even as Republicans block meaningful climate change laws. In Michigan, home of the auto industry, the Whitmer administration is working hand-in-glove with manufacturers, the UAW, and the Biden administration on transitioning to electric vehicles. And in a moment, we'll talk with one of the sponsors of the Clean Energy Future Bills, Senator Sue Schink. But first, our summary of the week's news with Dorian Tyus. Here are some of the stories driving policy and politics this week. Attorney General Dana Nessel is part of a multi-state coalition of Democratic attorneys general and the Biden administration appealing a Texas court order stopping the use of the abortion drug Mifepristone. Governor Whitmer has signed two more gun safety bills. One of the new laws requires safe storage of weapons in locations where children are present. The other requires background checks for all firearm sales in Michigan. Still another gun safety law known as a red flag law has passed the state house with only Democratic votes. A similar bill earlier passed in the state Senate. The Democratic National Convention will be held in Chicago. The convention will take place August 19th to August 22nd next year. It is expected to draw 5,000 to 7,000 delegates and alternates and attract up to 50,000 visitors to Chicago. Evening events will be at the United Center, the main site of the 1996 Democratic Convention in Chicago and the largest arena in North America, with daytime business to be conducted at the McCormick Place Convention Center. Senate Democrats led by Washtenaw County Senator Sue Schenck and Majority Floor Leader Sam Singh have introduced a comprehensive clean energy future plan. 
The bill package helps support Michigan's ongoing efforts to become a more environmentally sustainable state as climate patterns continue to change. Michigan Republicans may turn their 2024 presidential vote into a caucus limited to party insiders. News reports say the party may ditch the open primary election for a caucus structure where a handful of party members will decide who gets Michigan's convention votes, a move believed to work to the benefit of former President Donald Trump. A bipartisan set of four bills focused on protecting victims of crime in Michigan by expanding available support services has been introduced in the House. The Protecting Michigan Crime Victims Package would ensure crime victims have access to the available resources they need. The bills would amend the Crime Victims' Rights Act and the Code of Criminal Procedure by providing additional protections and resources to the victims of crimes. The Michigan Democratic Party's annual legacy dinner will focus on Senator Debbie Stabenow's 48-year legacy of service. Stabenow began as a county commissioner before serving as state representative, state senator, congresswoman, and four terms in the United States Senate. Tickets for the May 20th celebration are available on the party website. You can find links for more information on these stories on our website, partyonthepeninsulas.com. From Michigan Democratic Party headquarters in Lansing, I'm Dorian Tyus. Thank you, Dorian. We are delighted to be joined this week by Washtenaw County State Senator Sue Schink. Uh, Senator Schink is serving her first term in the Michigan Senate. Uh, she grew up in southeastern Michigan and earned her bachelor's, uh, master's, and law degrees from the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. Prior to being elected to the Senate, Senator Schenck served as chair of the Washtenaw County Board of Commissioners and as a Northfield Township trustee. She has just introduced legislation titled the Clean Energy Future Plan, a direct response to the climate change crisis. She shared details of the plan with our Walt Sorg. Senator, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for your efforts on the Clean Energy Future Plan. Just what's in it? What do you want the state to do towards climate change remediation? So we're really looking to clean the electric grid. We know that we need to take action on reducing our carbon emissions if we want to have a healthy, safe, and prosperous future for Michiganders. And so we're looking at uh, cleaning the electric grid by generating 60% of our state's electricity from renewable resources by and phasing out of coal-fired electricity production by 2030 and then generating 100% of the state's electricity from renewables by 2035. This would make us a leader in in the country and electrify our economy. So we're looking at some clean fuel standards to reduce the carbon intensity of every fuel in use. And then because we know that every dollar that's put into reducing the amount of energy we use actually brings back $4 in benefits, we're looking at creating a Michigan construction decarbonization strategic plan, which I acknowledge is a mouthful, but basically it's to reduce the emissions related to heating Michigan homes and businesses by 17% by 2030. And this will be public and private sector investments. We're also looking at doubling the energy waste reduction standards, which will obviously reduce the amount of electricity that we need because we won't be wasting as much. And then making it easier for farmers enrolled in PA 116, which is a farmland preservation program, to be able to put solar power on their land and still be able to take advantage of that tax deduction. And then also expand the purview of the Michigan Public Service Commission, because the Michigan Public Service Commission is the primary regulator of our utilities. 
they go through what's called an integrated resource planning process every so often with the MPSC. And so we're looking at explicitly allowing the MPSC to regulate utilities, prioritize climate, health, equity, affordability, and reliability. And that's just the start. We have other efforts that people are working on, including promoting and supporting electric vehicles, protecting access to clean water, addressing environmental issues so that vulnerable communities aren't bearing a disproportionate burden, which many of them are now, and then also holding polluters accountable, investing in renewable resources, and then continuing to work on making sure that our energy grid is reliable. I can hear the talking points for the opposition right now, and that's all going to center around economics. This is going to cost people money. It's bad for our economy. It'll put us at a competitive disadvantage. How do you respond? How will you respond to those charges? Well, I try to be diplomatic. So just saying they're wrong might sound a little harsh, but they're wrong. There are a couple things. The power companies are already moving to phase out coal. So we're moving along with them and uh, nudging them a bit. But they're already in process. And so by allowing the MPSC to consider that as they're making um, their decisions, we're ensuring that the power companies are planning ahead, that they're making sure that they can meet this challenge. And, and we're sure that they can. The other thing is that we are moving to a clean energy economy. The auto companies have already decided that they're going in that direction. There are billions available from the federal government to assist states in making that transition. And by passing this legislation, which we haven't yet, we've just introduced the bills, we are going to be setting ourselves up to receive federal funding that's going to make a difference in our economy. Response you're getting from the auto industry, both the UAW and the manufacturers, we're right at the center of the electric car revolution. Are they contributing to this? Well, they are. You know, we um, just, I'm on the appropriations committee and we just approved funding from the SOAR fund to support the building of an EV battery plant in Marshall. And those EV batteries are going to be going into clean energy cars that many of which will be built in Michigan. And so there's a lot going on already in the state and across the country to ensure that um, the auto manufacturers are, are meeting this moment and they've already made their decision. We're supporting that work. We're working in partnership with them. You've got one pretty good example of phasing out coal just down the street from the Capitol. Michigan State University is, in effect, a small city, generates its own power, and they haven't used coal for several years. Plus, there is an ama amazing amount of capacity that's being generated by solar on campus. Is that sort of like a, a, a field trip for your members? Well, I've been out there. I don't know. We haven't had an official field trip, but... Um, you know, you can you can look to different examples around the state. You can look to Cherryland Power up north. You can look to small cities like Chelsea that are generating their own power and have a much higher reliability than uh, some of the larger power companies. And you know that these things are possible. It's not in our state, but I believe that Vermont is already carbon neutral at this point. So we know it can be done and we're going to do everything we can to support that transition here in Michigan. And for people who might think that climate change is something that hasn't affected us, I know we've heard a lot about being kind of an oasis in a climate change storm. We've already endured a lot of damage, millions of dollars worth of damage from that. Scientists tell us that those giant storms that we had uh, two summers ago that flooded out Detroit and caused a great deal of damage in Washtenaw County were climate related. The flooding of the Edenville Dam 
climate related, the ice storm, climate related. So we know that it's causing us damage. We know it's costing us health, lives, a lot of safety. Another challenge that you are going to be facing and are already facing is nimbyism. People that just do not want these new energy technologies in their backyard. Uh, just this week, Clinton County put a moratorium on new development of alternative energy sources. And that's a community just north of Lansing. How are you going to deal with the, the local opposition that you're running into? So we're working with stakeholders right now to try to understand the best way to address that. I think that one of the things we can do is to make sure that local municipalities have the resources they need to make an educated decision, not making it based on propaganda, not making it based on fear, but real information. And then also, I think there's room for um, things like model ordinances. I'm not saying that the legislature is necessarily going to draft those. My guess is it'll probably be somebody else. But I want to support that kind of effort because I believe very strongly in local control. And I know that each community is a little different. And at the same time, we want to make sure that local communities feel comfortable citing these facilities because, uh, like, say, take solar, very quiet, very safe, no health effects for the neighbors. And if at some point the solar panels are no longer relevant, for whatever reason, they're pretty easy to remove and then turn that land back into something else. It's not like you're citing a coal plant that's going to have generational impacts in a negative way. These these facilities are very, very good neighbors. Another environmental issue, energy issue that you're dealing with, not quite as massive, but something that we all are familiar with, and that's plastic bags. Anybody who goes shopping knows what that's all about and knows the garbage it generates. What are you doing on that issue? So I introduced a bill to repeal a ban on local municipalities making their own decisions, regulating one-time plastic use containers. This ban on bag bans was instituted when Washtenaw County, before I was on the board, passed an ordinance relating to plastic bags. And it was meant to preempt local communities that really cared about cleaning up plastic bag trash from making their own decisions about it. And so this bill would not actually regulate the bags or the plastic, but it would allow local communities to do that. One of the many reasons local communities want to regulate these bags is because they trash up the highways, they get stuck in the wastewater treatment plant equipment, they are difficult to recycle in some places, and if you're a community that relies on people coming in, tourism, you don't want your your sidewalks and, and your fields littered with plastic bags. You need to have a way to, to keep things clean. And another thing that we should all be concerned about is that there are 10 million pounds of plastic bags that go into our environment, into our waterways each year, and they're not being taken care of properly. Senator Sue Shink, thank you so much for joining us on Party on the Peninsulas. Thank you. It was a great party. I appreciate the time you took to talk with me. I hope you have a great day, Walt. And that's our update for this week. Our great thanks to Senator Sue Shank for her leadership on a cleaner, more sustainable planet for our children and grandchildren. Party on the Peninsulas is available on your favorite podcast app or on our website, partyonthepeninsulas.com. We urge you to share the podcast with uh, progressives across the state and take a moment to rate us on Apple Podcasts. I'm Lavora Barnes. Thank you for the privilege of your time. Party on the Peninsula is as a production of the Michigan Democratic Party.